clan lives just outside of Altenshik. We are a small fishing village and do trade with the town, but mostly keep to ourselves. My father enjoys his quiet fishing life, and that is why my parents named me their oldest, Shakara, after the light, flat-bottomed boat favored by most here. As an oath of the ancient's paladin, I have pledged my life in defense of my clan. But first, I must prove myself worthy. At fifteen, the age of adulthood for Dragonborn, I set out to travel Aspara. I must fulfill fifteen great deeds, one for every year I was nurtured and cared for. The great deeds must in turn nurture and care for others. In my three months of traveling, I have successfully completed three deeds I deemed worthy. My first week away from home, while watching ships navigate the tumultuous ocean, I saw one sail too close to the infinite storm. When I was in my fifth year, I had seen something similar. A proud and gallant vessel had strayed too close and was dashed to pieces. My uncle Vanet was quick to lend aid to those that could be rescued. He lost his life fighting the waves, and cousin Tobin took his place as clan protector. This is my only memory of my uncle. These sea captains try to save a day's travel by skirting the storm. They have no respect for its unnatural power, nor the souls they are ferrying. I had no way to warn this ship, and could only wait and be ready for the inevitable. No one else was visible on this stretch of beach, though I knew the people from Dorset's salvage would be nearby, waiting to snatch what they could back from the sea. They are greedy people, more interested in the cargo that would be readily available than the lives to be saved from this impending wreck. It would be upon myself to help as many as possible. I called my steed, and we raced to the water's edge. As I doffed my armor, he stayed strong and silent, waiting for my command. We could only wait and watch as the mast was struck down the timbers torn apart as people plummeted overboard to try and escape their seeming destiny. Repeatedly, we swam out and grabbed bodies, as many as we could carry to drag back to the sandy but firm land. There are several people alive today because I was in the right place at the right time. That night, while sitting alone by a small fire, I removed my brand from my pouch. I contemplated its swirling vines and spiny thorns, and how its design was influenced by Uncle Vanet's own brand. I spent hours in the Elder's Temple, studying his to get the curves just right. I only had the wooden recreation, though, since his was upon his body when he was lost at sea. I removed the bracer from my left arm, placed the healing poultice and wrappings nearby, and heated the brand in the fire. The first brand is to be placed nearest to the hand on the inside of the forearm, so all may know I have started my journey. Later, drifting off to sleep, I dreamt of all the heroic deeds that I would be called to do and the people I would help. The next day, I joined a wagon train from Altenshik to Pisces and back. The trip down was fortuitously uneventful. On the way back, 
Buttercup grew uneasy as we neared the center point of the expedition, farthest away from both cities. We could expect no help from either. The day was waning, light starting to fade, and the train was planning to halt for the night when a burly orc stepped out from cover and demanded we halt. I rode up to him to parley for the sake of all under my protection. As soon as I dismounted, a crossbow bolt shot forth from out of the nearby copse of trees and deflected off my armor. I drew my long sword from my back and yelled to the wagon master to get everyone under cover. I could hear my equal beyond the last wagon take up arms against foes. We were seemingly surrounded. Several of the wagon riders took up what weapons they had to charge into battle. In the morning light, I could see good people had succumbed to the violence. But so had all of the bandits that tried to deprive them of their hard-earned belongings. The wagon train finished the crossing to Altenshik. The people thanked me for my support, and I decided this was my second deed. That evening, once again on my own, I marked the occasion. I reflected on the journey of the previous week. There had been several wagons that traveled by themselves, and I wondered how they had fared with bandits. Though all of those wagons seemed to have an orc driving them, sometimes with a human or an elf as second. And all had similar tattoos on their foreheads, maybe even the same tattoo, but I never managed to get a close enough look to know for sure. And they never responded to any hearty, well-met they never even adverted their gazes from their destinations. After several days of nothing eventful happening, I decided to follow one of these solitary wagons, whose drivers seemed more and more like they share a dream world all their own. I watched them for a day. They never openly communicated with each other, but still seemed in concert with each other. The next morning, Buttercup and I moved closer to them, a well-armed orc and a human male. Well met! I said to the human, expecting no answer and getting none. I could now see that they both have the same tattoo on their foreheads. Orc was clearly in control, though the human did not seem to be a captive. Maybe his bonds are not material. I had never known a human to willingly cooperate with an orc. I warned them about the bandits that had been in this area. The man said, Our tribe has business in Pisces, and then immediately cocked his head. A quick movement like a physical tick. The orc said the same, just a beat behind him. Riding alongside them, I took in their armor and weapons, their covered wagon, and wondered again what is inside. The human's gaze raked over myself and Buttercup, assessing us as I did him. The orc slowed the wagon to a stop, and the man said, Would you like to see our business? And motioned to the back of the wagon. Although I agreed, for fear of finding people in need inside, I stayed atop my steed and well back from the doors, even after the man gestured for me to come closer. Buttercup was uneasy with the situation. I could tell he did not want to be here as he whinnied nervously. Sharply, I asked, What manner of things are you transporting? The orc, now stepping down from his seat and drawing his weapon, replied, We transport the great cosmic beings... The man opened the door, and a medium-sized bug-like creature skittered to the top of the wagon as a long, low moan was emitted from the back. Buttercup reared back from it, and without hesitation, I released my fire breath upon this creature. 
The intense heat set the dried timber covering of the wagon ablaze, along with the hideous thing atop it. I noticed out of the corner of my eye the orc advanced. As I leapt off my steed, I told the orc to keep back, or I shall be forced to hurt him. As both he and now the human continued to advance upon my position, I noticed many small, bug-like creatures stream out of the back of the wagon. I heard the horses hitched to the wagon snort, clearly upset at the growing fire hitched to their hindquarters, circling around the orc and human, always keeping them in sight. I rounded closer to the horses, that I might cut them loose from the inferno. While my attention was briefly diverted, the orc closed in and swung his mighty axe and buried it in the dirt where my feet had been seconds before. My sword flew out as if on its own accord and buried itself in his chest. I watched the light leave his eyes then turned toward the human. You are free now, I declared, but he did not acknowledge my statement and instead threw himself upon my raised shield and beat against it with his bare fists. At the same time, the creature on top of the burning wagon, damaged but not dissuaded, crept closer to my position. I could just see it through the roiling black smoke. All I could hear was the burning of wood, the whinnies of the nervous horses that had not moved far away from their tether, and the strange, inhuman moans coming from the back. In my mind's eye, I saw once again a birthing my mother and I attended in Altenschick when we were in town for a trading day. The pregnancy had been a difficult one, and our healing skills were required. The moaning from the back of the wagon, reminiscent of the sounds made, bringing forth the new life from that so-long-ago day. Looking into the flailing man's eyes, I raised my sword and struck him across the brow so I could deal with him later. Then I turned my full attention to the stalking abomination above me, just in time to see it sink its fangs into my sword arm. Pain and poison shot through me and nearly drove me to my knees. I kept my wits and swung my shield into its neck, which bent at an unnatural angle and slammed its abdomen to the ground. Recovering quickly, the head struck, snake-like, and clamped harmlessly onto the edge of my shield. Raising my shield higher into the air, drawing out the length of its neck, I brought my sword around and removed its connection with its body. Blue-green gore sprayed out, splattering on my armor and the dead and unconscious at my feet. The eerie moaning had reached a crescendo during the battle, but died off as the blood of its companion pooled in the dirt. I turned in time to see many skittering feet scurry away and hide. I tended to the man who awakened as if from a dream. He was confused, scared, and had no knowledge of where he currently was. The last thing he remembered was being brought into a back room at the Creeping Baluga, a well-visited tavern in Altenshik. After healing his wounds, I escorted him back home, his family overjoyed at his return, and I marked my third deed. Once my peregrinations complete, I might decide to return to my clan and live out my days with them in defense of them, or continue my travels, and right the wrongs of this world, returning as I feel necessary, or I desire to do so. But until then, I have twelve more great deeds to complete. So you are 
had a, a brief stint in Port Randis, as you mentioned, right? And you're kind of following this this river, I believe. What incentivized you to 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 kind of you were kind of on your uh, heading on your way, just roaming out of town, or? Um, she probably saw the job board in Port Randis and saw or heard people talking about the river and how the river's not flowing well and there's this black goo. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So just out of curiosity and, and nothing better to do, decided to follow the river up and see what's up. Yeah, and, you know, it takes you the a, a couple days of moderate traveling, and you do get to the, the dam that is blocking everything. And uh, at this point, it doesn't uh, appear that there have been any visitors to it. And, uh, yeah, it's, you know, the 30-foot the stone kind of dam. And uh, set into this 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 tunnel through this this hillside, clearly some type of river tunnel. Doesn't look like there's much as f- in the way of means is as passing or traversing it currently. Um, and it's inside the cave, right? There's like a big cave entrance. Yes, kind of thing. exactly. It's it's about fifty or sixty feet kind of into this this tunnel that clearly was served as the riverbed of of this river when it was once flowing properly. And it's completely dry, or mostly dry. There's like a little bit. Yeah, that little that little crick yeah. of tainted uh, <laughs> river water with this black slime. Okay, so I'm going to try and go in the cave a little bit. I'm going to assume it gets dark fairly quickly in there. Yes, yeah. Light up a torch. Yeah, and as, as you enter, um, it doesn't, uh, no, no sign of any other other tracks, it seems. Not even, which is kind of strange, I suppose, not even tracks of whomever or whatever may have actually constructed this dam. Uh, would I know how long the river's not been flowing? Yeah, talking around town, maybe you're, you know, inquiring some of the, the patrons at the, the Asinine Leopard, which of course is where the, the jobs board is, that uh, it's it's been at least a, f- a few months of this blockage. Well, sorry, it's been longer than a few months of the blockage, but it's only been a, a couple of months since the black slime has started trailing down the the what's the remnant of the blocked river but uh the river itself has kind of been slowly the the levels have been slowly sinking over the past like six to eight months i would say so the dam was maybe built eight months ago yeah that's probably a a good assumption so then there probably wouldn't be tracks from whatever built it but i would expect animal tracks still yeah, no, but it doesn't appear that anything enters this cave. That is weird. Do I get any kind of creepy feeling? I, I would imagine it's this... And it looks like a very ornate structure, despite how, how really plain it is. But, like, this is a, a massive undertaking uh, as far as building and erecting this, this like, 30-foot by 50-foot stone structure. So if I use my divine sense to try and see if there's any celestial fiends or undead within 60 feet. Would I get a sense of that? Okay, are you uh, like walking right up to the dam itself and trying to get as far into this tunnel as you, you can sense? How far in is the dam wall? Uh, 60 feet in. Yeah, then I'll, I will. And as you, yeah, as you approach it, you get right up to it and again it's kind of this moist and it's like like glistening 
can see where now up close with you're in the torchlight where where the this overlap of these stone panels for lack of a better term right and you see the water leaking through where where the crease would be of, of this overlap and you kind of get just kind of on the outs outskirts of, of this this sense sensory circle that you can throw up and you do detect some type of undead okay that's interesting uh, do I know what type of undead I would know what type but I don't is there any exactly does your divine sense work the presence of strong evil registers on your senses like a noxious odor and powerful good rings like heavenly music in your ears. I can open my awareness to detect such forces. I'll know the location of any celestial fiend or undead within 60 feet that is not behind total cover. And I'll know the type of any being whose presence I sense but not its identity. Like, I would know it's a vampire but not that it's Count Strahd. Okay, so... It actually would have total cover, so... So I wouldn't sense it. You actually don't sense anything. Okay. And I think you would know, though, you, using your defined sense actually may even be a moot point at the base of this wall. Because I wouldn't sense it through the dam. Yeah. But you just you don't sense anything, like, directly above you or behind you, so... That's comforting. Yeah, so it doesn't seem like there's anything at the top of this dam uh, as far as uh, uh, evil... Or good. Okay. I'm just going to look around for a little bit, and I assume I don't see much of interest down here at the base of the dam? No, no. Again, no no signs of, of any other life around. It's just this, like, sheer 30-foot wall. I will leave the cave, and I will try and go to where the river comes into the mountain. Like, on the other side of it? Yeah. So you want to kind of find the other opening yes okay and uh, yeah and you travel for another few hours or so and kind of nearing nightfall uh, on the other side from kind of a kind of this bit of a ridge you can see into this this that what's formed like this shallow valley that's around this lake right and now you are seeing yourself for the first time kind of the the effects of the dam and, and the, the flooding of this tainted uh, water source. And you can see, though, just in the last light of, of sun kind of peeking over over the hills that surround this, this valley, you see two what look like humans kind of clad in these black robes, and they're, they're, they're dragging what looks like a dwarf. Very, you know, very stout and short in in stature, and from 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 this distance, it's difficult to really tell. But there there's some type of creature on on this dwarf's face, and it looks like this kind of this big like sphere, this orb, this this something attached to it, and um, you can see that it it has something constricting the dwarf's throat as well. And these these two figures, they're just dragging what it seems to be this unconscious dwarf as they head they're heading straight for this this lake and, and the, the tainted waters and they just step right into it dragging the dwarf with them and they could just continue walking until you know the water's up to their knees and then up to their chest and finally until they're fully submerged and they disappear below the surface of the water how far away are they from me i would say you're, you're a couple hundred feet away probably Okay, I will. Are you are you riding? Are you on? Gonna call horseback? my steed. Yes. Ah, okay. Oh, I need a name for him. 
Yeah. Oh crap. Um, Buttercup. <laughs> My little Buttercup. Okay, so you summon Buttercup. Yep. Is this this is like a is it a spell or is it like just a paladin ability? It is a spell. Oh crap. Mm. Casting time of ten minutes, so maybe not. Oh, okay. That kind of sucks. A hundred feet away. Two hundred. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the 10 minutes because it'll take me longer than that to walk there myself. Yeah, it wouldn't take you 10 minutes to walk 200 feet. Okay, well, I won't summon, summon Buttercup. I will just run over to the lake. Okay. And look for them in the water. Okay. Um, why don't you roll a perception check? 17. So you can clearly see uh, their tracks leading in, into the water. And now that you're right at the edge of of this overflown lake like you you see how how dark the waters are with this this ooze this black slime enough to like basically completely obscure any visibility even like two feet into the below this water's surface so standing from where you are it's uh you don't see anything in the water at all okay so i picture more like i run up to the lake getting ready to jump in and then i notice the black like, yeah, how saturated yeah, the water here and is. and I, like, stop myself real quick, and I don't touch the water. And I try and look around and see if I can see where they went or if I see anything else around, any more of them, any more helpless people. You don't see uh, anything in the immediate vicinity. Uh, again, it is now quickly becoming completely complete darkness outside. And, but you, ha- you do have their, the footsteps trail. You could certainly try to follow uh, the tracks that they may have made back to wherever they came from. Um, I think since it's becoming nighttime, uh, is there anywhere nearby I can kind of be a little bit hidden or is it all open around? Right at the water's edge, it's pretty open, but if you retreated kind of near where you had first spotted them, they didn't see seem to take any notice of you uh, at the distance that you were. You could certainly probably set up a, a little camp and, and maybe keep watch for something. Although without dark vision, if they have no source of light, you wouldn't be able to see them coming out of the water, really. Well, I won't go that far away. That way, um, if they do make a noise, I'll hear it. Okay. So I will set up camp not too far away. Okay, about uh, about how far away would you like to be? Far enough, like maybe 50 feet, so that if they come out, they're not on top of me right away. Give me a chance to get up and and brace myself. Okay, that's that's easy. So are you just kind of like sitting? You just throwing out a bedroll, kind of sitting down, or yeah. obviously no no campfire. No, uh, but I'm a light sleeper. Ah. <laughs> Did you want to now take the time to summon Buttercup while you're kind of waiting? I don't know. Does Buttercup like shine? Is it like what is? Does it look like, just look like a normal horse? It says, you summon a spirit that assumes the form of an unusually intelligent, strong, and loyal steed, creating a long-lasting bond with it. Appearing in an unoccupied space within range, the steed takes on a form that you choose, such as a war horse, a pony, a camel, an elk, or a mastiff. Your DM might allow other animals to be summoned as steeds. Mm. Would you allow me to summon an elephant? <laughs> an elephant? Yeah. You want to ride an elephant? Maybe someday, yeah. 
You could uh, you could have like a miniature elephant, like a horse-sized. <laughs> elephant. We could just flavor a horse as an elephant. <laughs> the steed has the t- statistics of the chosen form, though it is a celestial fay or fiend, my choice, instead of its normal type. Additionally, if your steed has an intelligence of five or less, its intelligence becomes six, and it gains the ability to understand one language of your choice that you speak. Your steed serves as a mount both in combat and out, and you have an instinctive bond with it that allows you to fight as a seamless unit. While mounted on your steed, you can make any spell you cast that targets only you also target your steed. That's pretty cool. Oh, interesting. Okay. So could I misty step with my steed? Uh, I, by the sounds of it. That's pretty Missy cool. Misty Step says self, right? Yeah. So that's targeting you, so you can target both you and your steed. That's pretty cool. That is really cool, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to make a warhorse? Is that what you would... Not yet, just because they were walking. And if they come out of the lake walking, I would be able to get upon them pretty quickly. Okay. So no buttercup yet. I don't know how long he lasts. I guess till he dies. But I would expect them to come right back out pretty much. When the steed drops to zero hit points, it disappears. Or I can dismiss him as an action. And then if I cast a spell again, it's restored to its hit point max. Oh, and I can communicate with him telepathically if he's in within one mile. Right. I mean, it would be a new buttercup. It would be like buttercup two. <laughs> I'm probably on buttercup, buttercup like 15 at this point. <laughs> That's yeah, that's true. That's fair. <laughs> I think I lost count. Okay, so I'm just going to um, sit down and wait and see if they come back out. And you are waiting for a couple hours, maybe maybe closer to three, as now it is complete. It's completely night now. There's there's a you know the the passing glint of the moon. It's it's fairly overcast at night. So there's a bit of moonlight occasionally to which you can kind of see just barely reflecting off of the lake surface as it's almost like this this become this inky void with all of this this tainted uh, black ooze that's kind of just absorbs any any light that seems to that would otherwise reflect off of it or refract through it uh, were it normal water. But you do kind of hear the sounds of, of of, of water being disturbed and kind of this, these waves and these ripples of, of figures coming out of the water. I'm going to jump up and intently watch. Okay, again, it's um, very, quite dark, so it's difficult really to, for you to see anything without lighting a torch. I'm not lighting a torch. I'll, I'll start creeping towards them stealthily. Okay, why don't you roll me a stealth check? So you're in, what kind of armor are you in? You're in chain Chainmail. So do I have disadvantage? Uh, I don't know. Oh, I do. I wrote it on my sheet. I still have a 16, though. Okay. 16 is pretty good. So you you kind of creep towards the sound. You're kind of re- mostly navigating just by by your by your hearing. As you get closer, kind of the, the water, the disturbance kind of uh, subsides as you start, you hear kind of these uh, two sets of footprints as they're kind of stomping on, on the the land it's not quite it's not like a it's not like a beach either right as as this was kind of the natural more uh like dirt and kind of grassy terrain that this lake has flooded onto so uh it's not it's not rocky or anything like that but 
they seem to be kind of heavy, heavy footfalls from these two. You don't hear any any speaking though, but do distinctly hear two two forms. Okay, I will try and get closer to them without them knowing I'm there. And um, can I get up to them? Well, they haven't stopped. They appear to be continually moving. Why don't you roll me a perception check? Oh, that's a six. Hmm. Uh, it's kind of uh, it's a little difficult to tell. After a, a few seconds of you moving forward, you kind of no longer really hear their footsteps. As uh, Now that you're kind of right at this, back to the, the lake's edge here, you can really just kind of see the, hear the quiet lap of, of, of the water from the disturbance that these figures made as they came out. Can I see any footprints at all with the little bit of moonlight? Yeah, with the little bit of moonlight, and of course you've already had uh, picked up their trail coming to the lake, so yeah, yeah you, can, you can make your way back to kind of where you saw them get in and where you presume that they had came, came out. And I can't tell from their footsteps which way they went when they came out? Why don't you make me a survival check? Fifteen. Yeah, you can ascertain uh, the direction of the of one set, right? Uh, and then, of course, there's the other... I guess it would be two sets, and then another two sets, of course, in the opposite direction. So you can kind of ascertain that they uh, appear to be heading east. Okay. So east would be away from the dam. Yes, yeah. And towards uh, the city of Pisces. Okay. I'm going to uh, turn in that direction to see if I can hear anything. Make another perception. Five. Uh, no, unfortunately, you can't quite hear anything. I will head off in that direction that the footsteps seem to be going in quietly. Still not lighting anything. No. All right. So, um, you know, maybe at, uh, at your, your, your sneaky pace, quote unquote, clinky clanky <laughs> sneaky pace, um, you're probably moving a little more slowly than you would, of course, if you had full visibility of, of the terrain. But you do keep on the trail. And uh, it's actually kind of, you know, you're, you're walking for 20 or 30 minutes and, and you get kind of this nice brief break in the clouds as, as you kind of have this like almost like low light vision uh, of the immediate surrounding. And, you know, you have you have like the visibility currently of what would be uh, dark vision. So you can now clearly see the, the grays and, and the... And the the washout blacks of, of, of the land and the tracks that you are following now. And it is kind of, they're just leading you kind of almost circumnavigating the, the edge of this lake here. And they come to the point where they veer away from it and kind of towards the hills. Continuing to follow it, you find another much smaller uh, kind of river tunnel. And the the tracks lead directly to the mouth of it and can kind of disappear at the water's edge of, of this smaller like 15 foot wide uh, river that is flowing into the lake okay so I know they went in there and I know they went in at least a few minutes before me maybe 10 15 minutes before me because I've fallen behind them so I'm going to stand at the edge and listen in first roll a perception I'm getting a different die <laughs> so that was bad then yeah it was a three yeah and you just kind of hear the the slowly rushing water of of this river 
but you do notice that the water here is not uh, affected by whatever is um, contaminating the lake. Okay. So the water here is clear. At this point, I will light a torch. Okay. And I will first look at the water to make sure there's nothing in there. Yeah, it is. It is clean. And then I will um, kind of lean into the cave entrance with the torch to see if I can see anything right inside. You just see uh, the this flow, the flowing river, and you can kind of make a. It's like almost like a the dimensions. You can see the ceiling above you, about 15, 20-ish feet up. The width of it being only 15 feet itself, and you just see the water. No figures. None, no, none of these robed figures. But footprints still. Definitely went inside. Again, they, they, the footprints end at the water's edge. Okay, because they probably went into the water, and water doesn't hold footprints. <laughs> I will go in the cave. Okay, there are you getting in the water. There is a bit of a like if you stuck to the edge, you could mostly stay out of the water, so you wouldn't be submersed or having to swim. Yeah, I'll stay towards the edge so that I'm not... Yeah. I don't want to be fully in the water. I want to be able to have my hands free if I need them. How deep is the water? Well, without, again, kind of getting into it, um, it, it looks pretty deep, though. You can't, uh, in, even in your torchlight, see the, the immediate bottom of uh, this river. Okay, I'll definitely stay off on the side. So hugging, hugging the wall of this, this tunnel, you get in uh, about 100 or so feet and... You see that the main the main tunnel continues and kind of curves off to the, to your right, but there is a smaller section that looks like it's completely flooded that branches off to the left. I'll go off to the right because I want to try and stay out of the water. Okay, yeah, just another turn, you get around the corner, and it's just more more tunnel as far as your torchlight throws. Okay, well, I'm gonna stop and see if I can hear anything or if I see any footprints or anything. Again, it's. Nothing, nothing but the the water of the river. I'll go a little farther down this tunnel. Okay, how long do you think you'd be in here? Fifteen minute, half hour. And it's just more kind of status quo. It's just this rock tunnel carved out over the the centuries by this river, and no immediate sign of any other uh, life passing through or inhabiting. I'm going to keep going. I want to see where this comes out. Well, you're in there for a few hours um, until you kind of finally you finally hit the other side of this tunnel, basically. And still, the, the river water maintains its, its, cl- its clarity, just normal uh, running water. And you come out uh, on the other side, almost like immediately underneath uh, a large bridge that is kind of part of like a main road that runs just outside of of Pisces and you can see uh, in in the in the moonlight kind of the distance the distant torchlight uh, of, of the city of Pisces interesting why don't you make me another perception check around the edge of this tunnel 16 and you are able to pick up again the the tracks of, of two sets of, of footprints of uh, somebody leaving now this this river back onto the land, uh, kind of up and towards the the road and, and the bridge, in the direction of the city. Okay, so I probably would know that 
it would now be pointless to follow because the tracks would blend in with all the other tracks and I would never find a person in the city now. Yeah, if uh, unless they veer away from the city limits themselves, which, you know, you're still maybe five or so miles outside of the city, uh, they very well could. They may... If you, if you go up to, to the road, you can see that, like, the tracks basically cross the road. They don't stick to it. They, they cross the road back into kind of the, you know, what, the, the off-terrain, making what looks like a straight line for the city of Pisces. Okay. Um, I think I'm, I'm concerned about this goo. I don't know what it is. I don't like it. Uh, so I think in the morning... I will go back to the lake and see if I can figure out anything about where it comes from or anything. So you're just going to set up camp like a, outside this tunnel or do you actually want to go into Pisces? How far away am I from Pisces? And what time of day like is five it? five miles. You're still, it's like the middle of the night. I don't think I want to go into the city, but I'm not going to stay right outside this tunnel. I'm going to move away from it a little bit. Um, I'm used to camping out. So... I'll just find a good place to camp for the rest of the night. Yeah, and you see, like, coming out of the tunnel, like, behind you is, like, this cluster of hills that this this river has cut through. So, I mean, you could even move up into them kind of above the entrance uh, to this, this tunnel as well if you wanted. Yeah, I'll do that. You rest and, and morning kind of comes uneventfully. And you want to immediately just go back to the lake? I want to look around the tunnel entrance just a little more, make sure I didn't miss anything. I, I don't know what I'm looking for, just to look. And then I assume I don't find anything. Just just like tracks going into and out of the water. Like heavily traveled or just a couple tracks? Again, just like these, these two sets. But there you do see signs of more than just the, the, the most the freshest tracks. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say heavily traveled, but there has certainly been uh, more than just these two people in say in the last week. Uh, using kind of a similar path. Okay. Um, what do I know? It would be faster to go back through the tunnel, or faster to go straight over land to the lake. Uh, that's a good question. It was kind of slow progressing through the tunnel. Uh, you know, kind of edging your way along the side of this river. And it would be dark again. Yeah. Or over kind of this this the hilly terrain. Uh, I think I might call Buttercup, and. Have Buttercup take me over to the lake. So what do you want Buttercup to be? Right now, just a regular horse. Not necessarily... Well, no, I like I like war horse. We'll, we'll make him be a big, sturdy war horse. Like a Clydesdale kind of thing. Yeah, I get the impression that's kind of what it's meant to be. So you can take Buttercup kind of um, down and around, kind of southward around this cluster of hills. There's a bit of a break in the terrain. And the whole time I'm talking to him, I'm just telling him what happened last night. I know he's not going to talk <laughs> back to me, but I'm just, just to have somebody to talk to. Sure. But he does understand. So what language does he understand? Are you speaking to him in Draconic? Draconic, yes. Okay. I like it. So you get back to the lake uh, much more quickly, obviously, uh, on horseback. It's Buttercup is the noblest of steeds. And you. so do you want to go right back to where kind of the general area where you saw these two and the people drag the dwarf into the water again yeah yeah i want to look around there see if they maybe drop something or if there's anything i can find out more okay in the in the day yeah 
you again just kind of see the same scene. You don't find anything else of, of interest. Just the same kind of tracks of into and out of out of the lake. Okay, and I'm going to look in the lake a little more. Just Is it completely just it, the entire lake is black? Yeah. It almost it almost kind of looks as if it's the, it's if it wasn't moving you could maybe mistake it for like a, a lake of obsidian almost like this very like matte black it's kind of a, almost like this uh, illusion it kind of gives off of this solid object but in motion because it's still water okay I'm gonna take uh, I have a javelin I'm gonna take it and kind of stick it in the water and kind of swirl it around and pull it up and see what it looks like on the javelin if it still looks gooey yeah and so the javelin moves like uh, like it normally would if you were kind of just swirling it through clear water it doesn't appear that this ooze is it doesn't change like the viscosity basically of the water and as you pull it out once it's free of the water it kind of immediately st- seems like it, it does take on more of a solid structure as it starts to kind of slide down the javelin kind of towards your hands Tipping it the other way so it stops sliding towards me. <laughs> uh, I'm going to get. See, I'll probably. I would probably have some kind of uh, spare cloth and a bottle, and I'm going to put some of the black liquid into the bottle and then wipe it with the cloth and like wrap the cloth around it so that it's not going to get on anything else. And I'm going to carefully hold that and hold the javelin off to the side. Buttercup. I think our friend Campbell would be very interested in this. Let's go see him. And I'll hop on Buttercup and we'll ride to Pisces. Into Campbell's shop. The Golden Icker. The Golden Icker. And, you know, he's, uh, well, I'm not sure how long it has been since you've been in Pisces. But Campbell's certainly happy to see you. Ah, hello, Shikara. Akuzentag. How long do you think it's been? It's it probably has been at least a month because I went on a wagon train. Right. And then have been wandering. So it's been at least a month probably. Yeah, and so you get to the, the Golden Knicker and then Campbell is again very happy to see you and, and quite interested in this sample that you have for him. Very, very interesting you have here, my Shikara. Why, I would be happy to help you figure out what this substance is. Is there any way I can assist you in this? Well, there are some ingredients that you could rummage for me. Definitely. So I imagine, uh, you know, it's this this substance um, never really been seen before, especially not by Campbell, despite how how distinguished he is in the art of alchemy. So he's probably at least, you know, testing on it for, for a couple of weeks. You know, as he tries the, the, this montage of him in his <laughs> in the back room, it's basically like this mad scientist laboratory. He probably sent me out for another sample because he used it all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, maybe actually, absolutely. And you know, he's every every maybe couple of days, he's asking you to maybe get him to find some some new type of plant. And he he asked you for the most recent one uh, that kind of grows actually in in the sea, usually in shallower water. He needs the uh, he needs what's called a the, a caterpillar fern. He kind of describes it to you as it's uh, it's almost like um, what are those uh, those uh, like reeds with the with the fluffy ends? 
cattails? Yeah, like it's almost like a cattail, but it kind of grows grows underwater on this like almost this long like seaweed like kind of uh, stem, very flexible and and it's it's all fuzzy even in the water. It's like this fuzzy section and that's kind of actually the the more specific section that he really needs because it holds uh it kind of secretes this um this kind of its own like little almost almost ooze like but it's more like an ooze that like fish like to feed on but he thinks uh maybe some of its properties will be able to aid in maybe counteracting what this stuff is and he yeah he says again it's grown in like shallower seawater kind of north of the city could easily find some okay I shall return shortly. So, and he gives you his boat. He's got a boat. Of course he has a boat. <laughs> Everybody in Pisces has a boat, right? Of course, yeah. Uh, it's kind of like tied up at the dock, you know. It's It's got the, you know, um, very elegant, like, like script, calli- like calligraphy. It's got very elegant calligraphy on, like, that says the Golden Icker is kind of named <laughs> after his shop. And, but it's just like a little, like, four-person rowboat. But it's tied up. Uh, at, the, at the docks, kind of down in the dock district, and you're able to to grab it and kind of row yourself out to the general area of where he said uh, this would be. You will need to dive into the water as well. Take take the chainmail off in the boat before I dive in the water. Uh, leave my longsword in the boat, but I have my dagger with me. Ah, okay, excellent. And you, yeah, you dive in and you you kind of notice though, like. You know, this, of course, having been to, to Pisces before, like the, you you know, everyone talks about the infinite storm and how, how dangerous it can be. But you do notice like something kind of seems like it's changed about it. Like it's kind of appears to be much closer than what you remember it kind of being as if the, the, the kind of the clouds in, in the sky above it have have kind of maybe gotten a little a little darker and and a little larger. But it's still quite a few miles off of off of the shore, so it's not posing you any immediate threat. Okay, I do I do keep an eye on it though, and I dive down and get some plants and shove them in my bag. Sure, and then dive right in. Um, they are exactly where Campbell had had said that it would be, and you kind of get dive down into this large, like thick patch of it, uh, right along the the bottom shore, and you're like maybe 15 or, or 20 feet down now from where you are and as you're kind of reaching you know using your dagger probably to snip some off as you you cut a handful away and shove it into this little sack at your side you reveal what looks like like you reveal like a face in in this in this uh vegetation and it looks uh it's got like a humanoid face but it's got this like almost like a mohawk of a of a of fin kind of running up from starting like right near between its eyes kind of up along its head and it's kind of got these long uh, thin tentacle like wisps coming off of its, of its chin like as if it was like facial hair like long facial hair and you you know exactly what this you know this is a marrow you've you've fought this these things before you've seen these things before and you know how dangerous uh, and evil that they are okay and it kind of kind of you see it kind of give this like weird smirk as if it's like been like hunting and has you know oh it's found something and it kind of lunges out at you let's roll initiative okay 17 oof all right you are first okay um i will attempt to slash at it with my dagger no 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 what should i do 
I think I might try and grapple it and, like, drag it to the surface with me. Okay. So I just add my strength modifier? Yeah. So that's a 17. Okay, well, it only got a 13, so you got a hold of this thing. And do you want to try to, like, move move it? Move him? Yeah, I want to like, try and kick up? drag him to the surface where it's a little more my advantage, a little less his advantage. Yeah, you just kind of this powerful kick of your dragonborn. I'm sh- sure your tail's probably swinging back and forth <laughs> too now <laughs> to get you up. And you, you, you manage to get him like another 10 or so feet up to the surface. So it's just going to kind of, yeah, as you, you've wrapped around it. And now it, outside of the vegetation, you can just see that it's got this long, like spiraling tail of its own. The marrow is like a, you know, they're like a twisted form of, of merfolk. And it just lashes out at you with its claws. So what's your AC? 20. Without your chainmail. Without your chainmail. Oh, without the chainmail, it would be... uh, So it's a base 10, right? Yeah. So it would be 12 because of my amulet that I never leave home without. Okay, and you have no dex. Uh, Dex is a 2. So, okay, so base AC is 10 plus your dex. Oh, okay. So then 14. So then both of his slashes just clawing uselessly against your your like natural dragonborn scales and uh it's you again okay i'm gonna continue to haul him to the surface it was great splash as you kind of breach the surface of the sea with him in your arms okay so that's my move so i still get an action yeah uh fire breath okay <laughs> <laughs> roast him yeah he has to make a deck save and he's still grappled well he only got like a three for his deck save Oh, their deck sucks. <laughs> so he fails. Okay, that's 2d6 damage. Um, doesn't it uh, scale because you're level 5? Doesn't it go up? The damage go up a little bit? Increases the 3d6 at 6th level. Oh, sweet. I gotta write that down. Okay, so that's 3d6 damage. 14 points of damage. Then <laughs> you easily just roast this thing's face. Because <laughs> it kind of goes limp in your grass as it's kind of squirming and you can kind of just like let it go and it drifts off into the water. Okay. And then I will climb into the boat. Well, and as you kind of let it go, you get into your boat and you kind of see popping up from the surface about 60 feet away. You see these two strange, like what look like mechanical crabs. And they seem to be housing people inside of them. That's not something you see every day. It's a little different. <laughs> <laughs> What are these people and these mechanical crabs doing? Well, they're kind of looking back at you. A little. <laughs> well, give them a little <laughs> wave. And that's our show. Our intro and outro music was created by Josh Jarvis. For your own musical inquiries, contact jamesmercymusic at gmail.com. All other music and ambient noise is courtesy of tabletopaudio.com. The Encouragement Party is sponsored by Critical Hit Design. Visit criticalhitdesign.com for all of your graphic design needs. You can find more info on the characters and world at encouragementparty.com. Enjoying the show? Have any questions or rules corrections? Email us. Contact at encouragementparty.com or reach out on social media. The Encouragement Party on Facebook and Instagram at EncourageablePar on Twitter using the hashtag AfterPartyIP for a shout-out during our behind-the-screen after-party episodes that drop every fourth release. Happy adventuring!